Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. With disrupted education, job prospects plummeting and waning social lives, all while you're supposed to be having the time of your life. We're asking, are Britain's young the long-term losers of the lockdown? This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Social distancing doesn't go hand in hand with the carefree experience of youth, a time when many live in shared accommodation, cram into crowded pubs and meeting new people is often the aim of the game. And while Public Health England says young adults are the age group most likely to be infected with coronavirus, they're also far less likely than older people to fall seriously ill. But a necessary evil of implementing a total lockdown, the social distancing rules apply to all. Loneliness is an unwelcome side effect, but even after the lockdown's over, it's the young who'll pay more severely for the hefty economic hit, according to analysis from the Resolution Foundation, the International Monetary Fund and, well, just about everywhere. A fact that on Wednesday led Prince Charles to warn that the crisis could define the prospects of a generation. In times of economic hardship, it is often young people who are hardest hit. And we know that many under 25s work in sectors such as hospitality and tourism, which have borne the brunt of this crisis. We also know the difficulties faced by disrupted education, uh, a loss of entry-level jobs and rising unemployment. It is a real challenge to thrive in the midst of chaos and economic disorder. The Prince's Trust, the youth charity run by Prince Charles, was set up in 1976, the same year as the International Monetary Fund bailout, which led to the winter of discontent two years later. They were not easy times. But His Royal Highness suggested the problems facing young people today were greater. Joining me to discuss the long-term impact of the lockdown on young people are Dr Amy Auburn, Research Fellow in the Cognition and Brain Sciences Unit at the University of Cambridge, and Sally Peck, The Telegraph's Family and Education Editor. 
Dr. Auburn, several months represent a much larger proportion of a young person's life. Does that mean lockdown will have a more serious impact on young people regardless of their circumstances? Our lockdown situation is naturally really unprecedented. So our scientific understanding of the impact it will have on any type of population is naturally next to nothing. And we're hypothesizing all the time and trying to gather evidence as it comes in. However, you know, this situation has now been lasting a couple of months and we're starting to actually see differences in how different populations and different age ranges have been reacting to the, to the lockdown. And I think it's fair to say that psychologists and neuroscientists, psychiatrists, and also pediatricians have now started to see that children and young people are, we fear, probably some of the more affected groups. And there are a variety of reasons for this that we're try- starting to piece together in, in the last couple of months and weeks. Many of those reasons, and this is something that Prince Charles came out on on Thursday to say, focus on the economic impact of the pandemic. And we know that that'll hit young people hardest. I mean, the Institute for Fiscal Studies has found that young people under the age of 25 are two and a half times more likely to work in a sector that's now shut down. More than one in three 18 to 24 year olds is already earning less than before the outbreak. Sally, do you think it's the uncertainty of of their economic future that's really affecting adolescents? Well, I think it really depends on which age group you're looking at. You know, I have a 23-year-old friend who I was talking to, and he's desperately, he's been out of university for a year now. He's desperately looking for work for next year, um, and he can't really find anything. So I think for the older end of, of the adolescent age group, certainly that. And also a lot of children who were applying for university have not only been denied the social aspect of their end-of-year celebrations, but also they won't have Freshers Week next year. So a lot of people are thinking about deferring. But then the advice I've seen from universities and from also people predicting the long-term job market is that you shouldn't defer because there won't be anything else for you to do because traditional internships or things you might take up during a gap year aren't available. So again, as you say, it's the uncertainty And it's the lack of options that I think are weighing quite heavily on the young people I speak to. Um, But for children the ages of mine, my older child is nine. And so she is really not thinking Mm. at all about the workforce um, or even about her secondary school applications. But it's more just the isolation that, you know, I think for the younger group, it's really this, you know, socializing is a muscle. And I'm sure that you've found this as well. But I mean, I've been far less social during this period. And so when I get back into the swing of things, it's harder. And, and certainly I see that with my daughter, that the she had a Zoom with her class for the first time yesterday. And just seeing everyone at once, the children she's not particularly friendly with, was quite, uh, you know, quite a big ask, actually. It was, it was um, exhausting. Well, it's hard, isn't it? Because parents spend so much of their time normally encouraging young people to shake hands, hug, even kiss people that they greet, go out, see their friends. And now they're having to do exactly the opposite. Dr. Orban, is there likely to be a lasting effect of this social isolation? I mean, some even call it social deprivation on young people. So me and my colleagues have spent quite a lot of time trying to figure out how we could maybe gauge the effects of this kind of social deprivation over a protracted period of time on an adolescent population. And I think there are a couple ways we we can think about it and that show that probably there will be consequences that might go into the longer term. We're not sure yet. And that's through um, studies that have been done 
on these select populations like teenagers in solitary confinement, being younger in a prison and being in, in solitary confinement is the most predictive of you self-harming, some studies have shown. Um, studies that have been done on teenage animals like rats that can be kept in, in confinement for prolonged periods of time through experiments, which have shown kind of changes in brain and behavior um, for long elongated periods of time into adulthood. And then just our understanding of child and, and adolescent development. We know that social interaction is such a crucial part of life, especially in those adolescent years where peer contact becomes a crucial building block of people finding their place in an ad adult social world, figuring out their social networks, um, thinking about themselves in the comparison to others. And because peer contact is such a key part of that development, not having that um, will be surprising if that doesn't affect a whole generation that has not gone through lockdown, where they have a lot of contact, but it's mainly with their, their immediate family and not with their peers, their friends or the extended social world. Sally. You know, this is, is one of the big areas where we see a disparity based on socioeconomic situations of families, right? Because, for example, children in, in independent schools have continued to see each other every day, have continued to have lessons, have continued to engage. Whereas lots of other children, uh, the majority of children um, in state schools have not had as high a level of contact in most cases. So I think that the transition back will be quite a hurdle for children to get over, particularly if they're children who have any sort of shyness or you know, have, who have, have really suffered from feeling isolation over this time period. Unfortunately, Sally, I completely agree with you. My flatmate, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, is a teacher at a private school. Her boyfriend is a teacher at a state school. And I have to say that the level of contact that they're having with their students, the difference, it's only anecdotal, of course, but the difference is rather stark. I suppose there's no winner of lockdown if we're talking crudely in, in terms of winners and losers. Of course, everyone would rather we weren't in this situation at all. But there's no doubt that we are in lockdown down largely to protect the health of the older population. And if we are talking about lockdown losers, as it were, the young might be one, but the young from less privileged backgrounds certainly are. Uh, Dr. Auburn, do you expect to see a long-term disparity in the mental health of the young from less privileged backgrounds and, and those from wealthier backgrounds? In our work, what we think we would expect to see is that children that come from stable family households where um, maybe part of that missing socialization with peers and friends can be buffered by socializing with their parents or by having, for example, the technological means to socialize with friends, even though they're not in the same room, a strong internet connection, a laptop that is not being used by multiple members of the family, um, you know, a space in private where they can communicate without being heard by other family members. Um, and, we think that that will have a massive impact in changing the mental health that we will see kind of exiting lockdown or the, the different, for example, educational outcomes um, that people have been expecting that, you know, we'll have to grapple with for years to come. Um, these economic and social disparities aren't going to go away through lockdown. They're definitely going to be exacerbated. 
I think anyone who underestimated the importance of having a strong internet connection and indeed access to the technology in the first place before this certainly doesn't now. But that is a place where older people might struggle um, if they're grappling with the technology that they need, while young people are, in general, more technologically savvy. That's probably one area where young people do have an advantage. Do you think, Sally Peck, that young people are less affected socially than the old? I mean, I know you've been orchestrating Skype calls between your children and and your parents. I actually see a lot of similarities between my preteen and my parents, because if you're in your 60s and you're just thinking, okay, I've retired, I perhaps have some disposable income, I feel that there's a certain level of freedom and fun that I'm about to embark upon. It's actually kind of similar to a lot of teenagers thinking they're going to have increased freedom and independence. Um, and then to be denied that is is quite crushing. So I've actually found my daughter and my mother are really good at empathizing with each other about the, the difficulties of being cut off from life and, and using technology in order to connect over. That has actually been really positive. That's really interesting. Maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on on the differences between the generations. And actually, you can be at completely different stages of your lives, but actually be at rather similar stages. I suppose it's something to do with the gap between expectation versus reality and the gap between the expectation and reality that maybe that's what dictates your your happiness. You know, if you expect very little, you're likely to be happier with what you get. And, and young people expect a, a lot. You know, it's supposed to be the time of your life. University is supposed to be the time of your life. Yeah. Live while you're young. We say all these things. Likewise, retirement is, you know, something many of us are working our way towards. <laughs> Dr. Orban, is there something in that gap between expectation and reality that means that young people are more acutely affected by this in terms of their happiness? I think we see that most in measures of loneliness throughout lockdown. So a UCL study has been tracking various mental health metrics for a population of, I think, over 30,000 adults throughout the lockdown. And so we don't have, you know, the younger adolescent demographic, but we have 18 to 24 year olds and, and older generations as well. And what they found is actually we've seen the biggest drop in that youngest age range, the biggest kind of drops in, in mental health, the biggest increases in loneliness. And so it does show that they are really, really are struggling and probably in a multitude of different ways. But the kind of lack of these big milestones in their lives, graduations, exams, um, will probably affect them massively because they also help People build the sense of self, you know, adolescence and, and young adulthood is really a time where people can experiment in terms of what people kind of how they want to present to other people um, and where they really care about what other people think about them. So being away from their peers is definitely going to have an impact. We don't really know yet how, but I think most experts would agree that we expect changes in this generation. And um, therefore, we as we as experts and also politicians need to be attuned that this age group is actually extremely vulnerable and needs uh, additional support and additional attention uh, in this time. Sally Peck, do you think that politicians are giving parents and young people the support that they need? Well, no, I, I think that the lack of clarity in leadership, particularly from the Department for Education, but across the board throughout has has really been very difficult for families to deal with. The confusion and the overpromising on when we might go back to school has not been in any way helpful to dealing with the loneliness that children have been feeling. And obviously, this is an unprecedented time. 
However, uh, leadership in other countries has been far better, far clearer. The initial slogan of stay home was clear, but then the subsequent ones have been very confusing and, and people are just interpreting them as they will. You know, I was talking to a friend who's based in Vienna maybe two weeks ago where everyone's been back at work and school for quite some time. And she and she used to live in London. And she said, you know, the problem is the Austrians, the Germans, they love to follow rules. So when we're given a rule, we follow it to the letter. Whereas the Americans and the Brits kind of enjoy not following rules. And so even when the government says something, it's not necessarily going to be followed. And I think she's right. I think it's both a problem with leadership and a problem with a cultural problem of not wanting to feel constrained. But particularly with schools, the Department for Education said that everyone was going to go back starting from June the 1st, and that wasn't the case. And so that's left an awful lot of confused and disappointed families. We've kind of come full circle here in that we we started with uncertainty and the problems of uncertainty, and, and we're ending with that too. A final question. Is the problem the uncertainty or is it the reality of what's to come for young people? Uh, Dr. Robin? It's really hard to say. In a way, as I've made clear in, a, in, in the last couple of minutes, the lockdown really does challenge young people in a unique way because they're so reliant on social contact, especially adolescents. And talking to parents of adolescents, this is abundantly clear. And the need for structure in the education system and through the education system for children and young people of all ages. Um, so I, I think that the actual lockdown and pandemic is having real life consequences as we speak. Naturally, the increase of uncertainty um, adds that additional uh, stress, both to children and young people, but also to families, because often the families provide the guidance of kind of trying to put these feelings into perspective, trying to give um, children and young people something to, for example, look forward to. And if they feel uncertain, that, that becomes a lot harder. So I think the two of them kind of interact and magnify the effects of each other, but both of them on their own will, will affect children in different ways. The rest of the latest coronavirus news. The UK's abandoned plans to release its own contact tracing app and will instead use technology developed by Apple and Google. It comes after months of delays to the app, which has been plagued by technical problems and concerns over privacy. The Apple and Google design has been promoted as being more privacy focused, but it also means epidemiologists will have access to less data. The app was initially promised for mid-May, but this week Lord Bethel, a health minister, said the app wouldn't be ready before winter. French President Emmanuel Macron is expected to urge Boris Johnson to abandon his 14-day travel quarantine policy and replace it with a travel corridor, as the two leaders meet for the first time since the lockdown. France has opened its borders to all EU countries, but has imposed a reciprocal voluntary quarantine on visitors from the UK. The UK government's negotiating air bridges with a handful of European nations, including Portugal, Spain, Greece and Italy, which could see quarantine-free travel. Italians from low-income households will soon receive up to €500 to go on a domestic holiday under the government's new holiday bonus scheme. It's aiming to boost the country's struggling tourism economy. Households earning less than €40,000 a year can apply for the grants and will also receive discounts on accommodation of up to 80%. To read more on any of those stories, click on the links in the show notes to this episode. And if you haven't already made the very sensible decision to become a Telegraph subscriber, listeners can get 30 days completely free at 
at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. If there's a topic you think we should be covering on the podcast, email us. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk and you can find me on Twitter. It's at T underscore Leludis. If you search Leludis, there aren't that many of us. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Friday evening with your next podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.